On a typical day, there's about four trillion running through this one hidden shadow money space that doesn't show up on a bank's balance sheet anywhere. There are some estimate 80 trillion, maybe as much as 100 trillion in contracts outstanding. That again, all of it is quote unquote missing. The one part of the Eurodollar system, this huge part of the Eurodollar system, that is most likely to cause trouble, it's not repo, not that repo is not important. It is instead the shadow world of FX. And you need to know about the FX market and how it works. And first thing you need to know is that dealers are so incredibly important. They are the vital part of this big, it's not a market, it's a systemic redistribution of currency and money and resources all throughout the world. Now, I'm not trying to sell you on big to, too big to fail. I'm not trying to tell you you need to like this. Instead, what we need to understand is this is how the world actually works today. And one reason why the Eurodollar system continues on 16 years after it broke down. But in breaking down 16 years ago, though it still operates at a lower capacity, it has led to to differences in how it operates, including an increasing emphasis on this FX space. Again, importance of dealers, not because we like it that way, just because it is that way. We're going to talk about a paper here, and I got to thank Josh for flagging this, from the Bank for International Settlements, or BIS. Their, I think it was their September quarterly review, which just came out. And the presentation is called Bank Positions and FX Swaps, Insights from CLS. And we'll talk about what CLS in just a minute. But here's, here's the opening part. Now, this is nothing we didn't already know before, but there's, there's data in this paper and there's some, there's some arrangements and there's some, uh, there's some investigation that is incredibly helpful as we piece together at least what we think how the Eurodollar system is, uh, how it is operating. Now, here's the, the, the opening part of the, uh, the presentation. Payment obligations that arise from FX swaps are huge but opaque. The short-term nature of these instruments makes the FX swap market susceptible to funding squeezes, such as those during the GFC or G Great Global Monetary Crisis, and in March 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic went global. And then the authors, of course, say this is why central banks came in with their dollar swaps, which were, they think, incredibly effective. But at least they got that part right. The breakdown in the FX markets played a huge role in the global monetary crisis of 16 years ago. It was certainly a central part of the March 2020 crisis, whether or not you agree about the role of dollar swaps. It, the FX market is huge and it is opaque. It's on bank footnotes at the very best. So we don't really have a whole lot of insight. So one reason why we like these presentations from the BIS and other places, because they provide us with a little bit of a glimpse into the shadow money world, which emphasizes why we spend so much time on what George Gammon calls these esoteric curves. I love the way, I love, love the way he phrased that. Because what we're trying to do here, including this presentation, as well as our curve watching, obsessively curve watching, is because the shadow money world is in the shadows it's not accounted for properly. It's not really missing. It's out there all the time doing things. We're trying to make sense of what's going on there with very limited information. So we follow these curves, these money curves and these bond curves and these FX movements because they're telling us something about the system from the perspective of the system in a way that can't really be faked. You can't fake the tape. 
So you can understand, number one, how important the market is, number two, somewhat how it works, and number three, why we focus so much, even though we don't want to, why we focus so much on the big dealer banks. They are crucial to the operation of this system, and that means everything, unfortunately. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Eurodollar University has memberships available that has already gone through a lot of this stuff already. FX swaps, though, there's a lot more for us to do. And right now we're talking about collateral in our classroom videos. But Eurodollar University memberships are a way for you to dig into the Eurodollar system. Money, money theory, money history. What is it? What is it? What is supposed to be? And maybe what it's not doing, what, it, what it's supposed to do. And what does that actually mean? That's what we have in our memberships. There's there's classroom videos, there's basic series, there's presentations, there's Q&As, there's resource pages. Thanks, Jorge. All sorts of information, all sorts of stuff available for you. Eurodollar.university. Let's start with some basics. Let's start with some monetary basics. Many times we get caught up in talking about money supply. You hear that all the time. When really the, 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 the key factor isn't necessarily supply as it is circulation, redistribution. And that's what dealers do. And that's what the FX swap market or just the FX market has been. It's been a central angle of redistribution and circulation of dollar resources all throughout the world. So while we don't necessarily want to ignore potential money supply, the key ingredient is, is money circulation. And that means, especially in the context of FX, the dealer banks. Now, there is a difference between an FX swap and, say, a currency swap, and there's a technical reason for it. FX swaps tend to be shorter term in nature, and they look like an exchange of currency. I give you some dollars, you give me some yen, and then at some point in the future, I give you back the yen, you give me back the dollars, and everyone's happy. And while that's true, and that's technically true, you have to look at a currency swap, or an FX swap in this case, as a collateralized loan. I'm giving you dollars that you, you likely need, and you're giving me yen, not because I want yen, but because the yen is, in fact, the collateral. And I can use the yen to, to, to choose different varieties of collateral. So thinking about an FX swap as a collateralized loan, sort of like a synthetic repo, that helps you intuitively understand some of the motivations going on here. Usually it's to borrow dollars on a collateralized Basis. Now, a currency swap is a little bit different. Same, same general idea. They tend to be longer dated, and they also, in addition to exchanging currencies at the at the start and is at the end, they also can exchange coupons, uh, interest payments, differences in coupons and interest payments along the way. But the principles are largely the same here. An FX swap is essentially a funding vehicle for whatever general purpose. Now, the BIS paper it does a couple of things here. Number one, it tells us that the top five banks reported roughly a third of global outstanding positions in this FX system, and the top 25 banks account for more than 80%. So it's the dealer banks, and in particular, U.S. banks, as we'll see in just a minute, that are really at the center of this system. They're incredibly important to maintaining operations, smooth flow of U.S. dollars and collateral, whether that be foreign currencies or not, throughout the global system. Now, the BIS paper, as the name implies, draws on some data from something called CLS market data, which uh, the CLS stands for Continuous Linked Settlement, which is a form, it's a platform for FX providers, dealers, and counterparties to get together and settle what are usually OTC trades. They're not centrally cleared. 
And the reason why dealers and counterparties like using CLS or platform, a few others that are out there, but really CLS primarily, that's where the $4 trillion a day comes from. As the CLS website says, our approach to multilateral netting shrinks funding requirements by over 96% on average. So you can put your capital and resources to better use. That's what a lot of this is about. The reason why the system shifted more toward FX, less toward on uh, on balance sheet uh, funding like repo or unsecured, is because dealers and banks and participants are highly balance sheet constrained. They're trying to be as efficient as possible with limit limited balance sheet space. And the reason the balance sheet space is limited, if you talk to the BIS or many mainstream sources, they'll tell you it's because of regulation. What we know, we can see it in the data, including currency swaps, basis swaps in particular, dealers have been balance sheet constrained ever since August 9, 2007. They're constrained because they're constraining themselves, realizing the risks of operating in this euro dollar system. So in a balance sheet constrained environment, for whatever reason, it makes sense that you will use whatever possible technique that you can to be as efficient in a limited balance sheet, scarce balance sheet uh, position. And because it's been a scarce balance sheet condition, a, a constrained environment since 2007, that has created a bunch of opportunities as well as potential problems. And one of those opportunities is the world is structurally short dollars. There's always a need to get dollars from somewhere. And with dealers no longer able to just provide them like they use, expand the, like they used to expand their balance sheets as they had before 2007, they're left as sort of just intermediaries uh, trying to, to borrow dollars from somewhere else in the system, those who have them and have them available, and then redistribute to those who need them rather than doing it the, all themselves. They're simply pocketing spreads for doing these various transactions, matching cash lending with cash borrowing, matching collateral that comes up with collateral needs that might arise along the way. And one of the one of the things that have made them intermediaries is the structural negative basis. Let's go back to the BIS here. First, dollar lending via FX derivatives has grown as this activity has become lucrative. The dollar basis example, the, the premium earned over other money market rates by lending dollars against other currencies via an FX derivative has profited banks with ample dollar cash funding, not just banks, more importantly, non-banks. So these dealers, and they're mostly US banks, have stood between non-banks that have cash and banks, people, companies, other intermediary or other positions in the market who need dollars. The dealers are intermediating those who have dollars with those who don't and those who need them using FX instruments. And this negative basis is something that I wrote about a very long time ago in 2016. Understanding what it really means is the key to unlocking a lot of what goes on here, what, what, it's, what this market and what, what this whole breakdown is really telling us. Um, the negative yen basis, because that was back in 2016, and the yen basis was exceptionally negative. The negative yen basis swap acts like leverage, where even yields on the interim investment are negative. Any speculator or bank with spare dollars could lend them in, the, in a yen basis swap, meaning exchange into yen. Because you end up with yen, you are forced into some really bad investment choices, such as slightly negative five-year government bonds. But it's just part of the cost of keeping risk on your yen side low. Again, this is just collateral. Instead, the real money is made in the basis swap itself since it now trades so highly negative. The very fact of that basis swap spread means a huge premium on spare dollars, which is another way of saying there is a dollar 
shortage. Because of the shortage and its premium, you can swap into yen and invest in negative yielding JGBs in size and still make out handsomely, or euro-denominated debt that is also yielding negative. If you have dollars, you don't necessarily care about the collateral coming back. So you, you swap your dollars for yen, and you're making money on the swap. That's the negative basis. And the, the make, making money on the swap goes up and down as dollar conditions change. So when dollar conditions are relatively bad, there's a huge, a bigger negative basis, which means there's a, a much bigger opportunity, more profit, profit opportunity to make money in FX. And the fact that it doesn't happen, it's not arbitraged away, tells you about the, the balance sheet constraints and the inability of dealers to actually redistribute or supply dollars themselves. It tells you about the dollar shortage. And because you're making so much money on this negative basis or a dollar basis from your perspective, it's a negative basis from the yen perspective, because you're making so much money on it, you don't care if you get, you know, you get yen in return and just hold that as bank reserves in the, for the Bank of Japan yielding negative interest rates. Or you buy Japanese government bills that yield maybe a little bit less negative interest rate. Or Euro uh, two-year shots in Germany. For the longest time, you could do that. Essentially, when you have dollar providers in a when you have dollars in a dollar structural dollar shortage situation or an acute dollar shortage shortage situation, you don't care about negative yielding instruments that you get back. That's just the collateral in case your counterparty defaults on the dollars. You can sell them and at least get uh, sell these instruments you get as collateral and at least get made whole on that part of it. So that's a key to understanding here that the structural dollar shortage has opened up the door for dollar providers to take advantage, intermediating through dealers who pocket some of these spreads because the entire world continues to need dollars. And some of the weird things that the BIS uncovered was that, again, U.S. banks are primary, their primary centerpiece of this entire system, even between Japanese banks and Euro banks where European banks are wanting to swap euros into yen. They'll actually swap euros into dollars into yen, intermediating through U.S. banks. Likewise, Japanese banks looking to swap yen into euros will, for some reason, swap between yen into dollars to euros, intermediating through U.S. banks. Why don't the European banks and Japanese banks get together? U.S. dealer banks in particular are really at the center of this FX system. They are matching cash providers with cash borrowers or those who want to be cash borrowers. They're matching collateral coming back and forth. They're watching the entire thing. And more importantly, as the BIS does mention, they're also taking some risk as they do so. The dealer banks have performed somewhat of a maturity transformation, especially with their yen and Japanese counterparties, which means that the yen counterparties, those who are borrowing dollars, essentially want to borrow dollars for longer term. Meanwhile, the U.S. banks that are providing them dollars to the FX market are borrowing those dollars in short-term arrangements on the other side of FX from European banks in large part or from non-banks uh, non like money market funds in some cases. But essentially, the dealer banks are taking some rollover risk by borrowing short-term and then relending those dollars in particular to Japan for likely uh, then relending into China. So that's another thing that that's, comes up quite a bit too. So U.S. banks are these dealer banks. They are taking some risk. It's not expanding their balance sheet, but they are taking some rollover risk, which can be an issue. It also means collateral issues too. 
So dealer banks are, that are that are taking risks, you can see why if they become risk averse, it then leads to a breakdown in circulation because where they're matching cash providers with cash borrowers and taking some risk to do so, if they don't want to take that risk, suddenly you've got a cash borrower who can't get cash at the same same uh, same terms that it was before, and you've got cash providers that well maybe I'll just park some money in safe and liquid someplace else, which means treasury bills and something like that. So essentially, real world monetary uh, monetary transactions don't take place. They break down and it creates frictions in not just financial flows, but also economic flows too. Dealers are that important and they're at the, at the center of it. But also because of the structural dollar shortage, this negative basis that doesn't go away, just kind of goes back and forth. And it is timed with our euro dollar cycles, by the way, because that's why we spend so much time focused on, on, on bank dealers, because it tells us about these euro dollar cycles and what's really going on in them. But essentially, it has opened the door for a shifting in how the mechanics of the euro dollar system operate. Again, pre-crisis, you had dealer banks that were more than willing to expand their balance sheet to do all this stuff in-house because they were just making so much money. They didn't perceive any risk. They just did it all themselves. Now they have to navigate between... First of all, they're limited constrained balance sheets, but also they have to match those who actually do have cash with those who need it, which requires a little bit of effort, a little, little bit of different effort. And it also requires some interesting characteristics about the entire system. And the BIS uh, presentation gave us an example here. Uh, in the early, early aftermath of the 2008 crisis, for example, because there was such a need for dollars and because dealer banks were not the ones to provide them any longer, uh, highly rated European banks and more so non-banks stepped in to borrow by issuing longer term debt in, say, euro bonds and then swapping those euro bond proceeds in U.S. dollars into euros. By doing so, what they were effectively doing is just what I said before. They were taking advantage of the dollar shorts. They're taking advantage of a dollar basis, a high dollar basis or a negative euro basis or yen basis, if the case may be. But essentially, because they were the only ones who could borrow at relatively decent terms, they were then becoming a central, uh, central, really the first step in a central part of redistributing dollars in that impaired system. So a European company would, would issue a euro bond and essentially take those dollars, give them, lend them to a dealer bank who would then, instead of expanding its own ba balance sheet, would relend those dollars to someone else in the euro dollar system. It required the eurobond market and required companies and highly rated insurance companies and some banks to actually take advantage of these spreads in order to kickstart some recirculation and some monetary flow through the fx system and a lot of it required first of all the risk taking um, um on the on the part of these european businesses in some places it was outside of europe more than that it really places an emphasis on again the dealer parts of the system to do the redistribution and it also highlights how dealers have changed over the years. They are highly constrained, which means they're susceptible to these kinds of breakdowns when they become risk averse. And that's really the key takeaway here. The swap market is nothing more than redistributing dollars from one place to another, intermediating through dealers, but not on their balance sheet off balance sheet because they don't have the balance sheet capacity to put stuff on their balance sheet. So they're essentially on the hook in ways that we can't really identify immediately using their balance sheet statements. At the same time, 
They are absolutely crucial, whatever they're doing and however much they're doing, to making sure that the euro dollar system at least functions in minimal capacity, to at least keep everything flowing at some level, if not quite the same level as we were used to beforehand. And the BIS does a decent job of digging into the statistics that we don't have and saying, yeah, there's a lot of this going on. And not only is there a lot of this going on, you know, $4 trillion a day, maybe $80 trillion outstanding in total. It could be as much as $100 trillion. All this stuff that's taking place, it is incredibly vital to the flow of money and credit to the economy, which is all that really matters. We focus way too much on money supply when it's really about circulation. And in the euro dollar context, and especially the euro dollar context of the 2020s now, that means FX, that means big dealers, whether we like it or not, isn't the issue. This is the way it is. And it, it, it places such a huge importance on FX, which means we really want to know what's going on in that system because that's where all the money is. If you want to see a video I did a little while ago on that $80 trillion supposedly missing in FX swaps and FX markets, check out the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.